All right, well, hey, everybody. We are beginning a new series today called Drive Through Love, and today's message is titled Have It Your Way, which is the slogan at Burger King, which is why we did that video. Before I dive into today's message, I want to celebrate what God did last weekend on Easter. Last weekend, across the state and in the country and world, we had 91,059 devices tuned into our services. Now, that's just a device. Device is a computer, tablet, phone. In our family, we had seven watching around the TV. So 91,000 devices is probably somewhere around 200,000 people. That's 200,000 people who heard a clear message about Jesus Christ and why believing in him is necessary to have eternal life. We had a vision that we casted last spring where we said, God, we would love to not only reach the Twin Cities for Christ, but to reach the Midwest and to the ends of the earth. And we believe that we are beginning to see God do just that. But here's the number that really gets us excited. We saw 460 first-time decisions to follow Jesus Christ. That's 460 people in their living room who are in their kitchen table or something where they made a commitment and they said, God, I believe I am putting my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ for the very first time. And if you are one of those people, let me just say how proud of you we are. I really believe you're going to look back on this 10 years from now, 20 years from now, and you're going to go, that's when my life began to change. When I put my faith in Jesus Christ, I began to sense his love and his purpose and his presence in my life. And I am so excited for you to go on that journey with God. If you prayed that prayer with me last weekend, but you didn't get a chance to let us know about it, would you text the word BEGIN to 555-888? We just have some free resources that we want to put in your hands so that you can begin to know God and grow in your faith. But today, we are kicking off a new series. It's called Drive Through Love. And as I mentioned, that's kind of how our culture approaches relationships these days. We want to have it our way. And that's the slogan at Burger King. In fact, every message in this series is based on a slogan of a fast food restaurant, which leads me to make a confession. I really like fast food. I didn't realize this until a couple of years ago, but I was standing with some friends, and one of them, rather sarcastically, said, who goes to KFC? He was like, who who are these people that would ever go eat at Kentucky Fried Chicken? And my other friend was like, oh, I haven't been there in 15 years. And then the other guy goes, oh, me too. And he kind of made this little crinkle up his nose face. And I was standing there conspicuously silent because I was thinking, I love KFC. Their famous bowl with chicken and mashed potatoes and gravy, like, woo. And I have my order at every place. If I go to Taco Bell, I'm going to get hard shell tacos, a cheesy gordita crunch, and a Baja Blast Mountain Dew. If I go to Arby's, I'm going to get a beef and cheddar and curly fries. If I go to Chick-fil-A, I'm going to get a number one with a lemonade. I'm not bragging about this, by the way. This This is not a good thing in my life. But I will say that there have been times when I've gone to a fancy restaurant and they'll bring out my order... And I'll think to myself, can I supersize that? Like there's three scallops and a piece of parsley on my plate. And I'm going, give me a Baconator with a Frosty at Wendy's, please. 
But one of the things that I love about fast food is that it's fast. It, it takes zero effort. Just think about that for a moment. Who was the person that thought, oh, it is such a pain to park your car and walk inside and get your to-go order and then walk back to your car? We need to fix that. I mean, whoever came up with the drive through is a genius. It's fast. It takes zero effort. You don't even have to get out of your car. And the food, at least initially, tastes pretty good. That's okay when it comes to food. But that concept doesn't work when it comes to relationships. Unfortunately, more and more people in our world today are approaching love like they're pulling up at the drive-thru. We want love, but we don't want sacrifice. We want fun, but we don't want to work through hard issues. We would love happiness, but we don't want to have to serve another person. We want that fast feeling of infatuation, but when that begins to wear off, we think, you know what, maybe I need to switch my order. Fast food tastes good, but it's not necessarily good for me. In the same way, drive through love might feel good at first. You might like that feeling of another person who notices you and who likes you, but deep down it won't lead to the kind of lasting love that we all want. That's why I've titled today's message, Have It Your Way. That may work at Burger King, but it doesn't work when it comes to relationships. In fact, you can't and you shouldn't have it your way. It's because intimacy can never be about me. True intimacy is only achieved when both people are willing to set aside what they want for what the other person needs. But that's hard. And oddly, it seems to get harder the longer you're in a relationship. When my wife and I were dating in college, we took a class together abroad. We were studying the Bible in the countries of Greece and Turkey. And one day we were touring the ruins of Ephesus. And when we got back to the bus, my wife looked around and she said, oh, she said, I, I forgot my sweatshirt back at the ruins. Now remember, we were just dating at this time. So what did I do as a love-struck boyfriend? I jumped out of that bus and I went running about a mile and a half back to the ruins to get this sweatshirt. And I returned to a bus full of college students singing, I would walk 500 miles. Now, if that happened today, I would still serve my wife. Okay, I, I would save her seat for her so that she could go back and find her sweatshirt. I'm kind of kidding about that. But have you noticed that when people are dating, they do crazy things? I mean, if you're dating someone, you will talk to them on the phone at 3 in the morning. You, you could just hang up at 11 and talk to them the next day, but it, you just stay on the phone till 3 in the morning. And you say things like, you hang up. No, 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 you, you, you hang up first. And you go, I, I heard you breathing. You said you were going to hang up. The whole world revolves around this other person and this relationship. And that's normal, but it's not sustainable. And so pretty soon, after that feeling of infatuation begins to wear off, 
we go back to normal life, which is usually the world kind of revolves around me. This has never been easier. I was listening to a message by Pastor Kyle Eidelman, and he pointed this out. But just think about your day. For me, I woke up this morning, and I took a shower, and I used my shampoo. There's about four other bottles in there. I don't even know what those things are, but I used my shampoo. And when I was done in the shower, I got ready at my sink. There's, there's two sinks in the bathroom, but there's one of them that's mine. And nobody else is allowed to use that sink. And once I got ready, I got into my car. My wife has a car that she drives, but that's not my car. I, I drove my car into work today. And in my car, I have my temp on the driver's side set at exactly 68 degrees. I don't know what the temperature is on that side of the car, and somehow it never seems to get over to my side and affect me because my temp is set precisely at 68 degrees. It's my temp. It's my butt warmers. I've got my phone plugged into my playlist. You may not want to drive into work and listen to Hillsong Worship or listen to Outcast if I want to bump and schlump a little bit. But that's okay, because it's not your playlist, it's my playlist. The only regret that I have is that I don't have a sleep number bed. Because then I could get my bed exactly the way that I want it. It could be my sleep number. Now I'm kidding about this, but have you noticed how our world today is designed for you and me to have it our way? problem is intimacy can never be about me. Great relationships never happen between two people who want to have it their way. Look at a few of these verses with me. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul writes these words. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The purpose of your marriage is that you would reflect the love that Jesus Christ has for his church. We forget this. We tend to think the purpose of our marriage is that this other person would meet our needs, they would make us happy all the time, but that's not God's purpose for your marriage. And there are some of us who you may have committed to staying married you may say, you know what, we, we are going to be married no matter what. We are in this for the long haul. But you've never committed to God's purposes for your marriage. We still operate like this other person has to make me happy, meet my needs. And if they don't, then I'm going to be upset about that. God says the purpose of your relationship is not that all your needs would be met, but that you would be willing to give you would be willing to give up what you want for what the other person needs. And this isn't just marriage relationships. This applies to all relationships in our life. Look at what it says in Philippians chapter 2. It says, in your relationships with one another. So who's he talking about there? He's talking about your brother, your sister, your coworker, your neighbor, your parents, your friends, your roommates, all other relationships in your life. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. What is that mindset? 
He goes on and he tells us, he says, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to grasp, but instead he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. When Jesus Christ came to this earth, he didn't come going, hey, I want to have it my way. He came as a servant. He humbled himself. In fact, look at what it says in verse 5 again. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. If you could obey that one verse, I am telling you, it would change the relationships in your life. The best marriages are when both people say, you know what, I'm willing to give up what I want for what the other person needs. And I'm willing to do that every day. The best roommates, the best coworkers, the best friends, the best parents, and the best children are willing to say, you know what, I'm willing to give up what I want for what this other person needs. And I'm willing to do it every day. This is so countercultural. We live in a culture right now that says, hey, you, you need to get what you want. You need to have it your way. It's about your dreams. It's about your goals. It's about your passions. You need to treat yourself. And then Jesus comes along and he says, if you want to be my follower, don't treat yourself. You need to deny yourself. And take on the very nature of a servant. Now I think we all know that's true. I think we all understand that if we serve the people around us. That our relationships would improve. But there's two problems with this. The first one is fairness. I mean what if I'm serving and he's not? What if I'm giving up what I want but she's not doing that for me? In fact some of you hear me say this. And you hear me say oh serve this other person. And you're going, oh, are you kidding? I've tried. I've tried to give up what I want for what they need. I've tried to serve that other person. But they are so narcissistic. And I'm sick of being walked all over. It's just not fair. The second problem that we run into is our own sinful nature. I mean, for instance, for myself, I want to serve my wife. If I were listening to this message, I would go, oh, yeah, I want to serve more. I want to think more about what's going on in their life. But I get selfish. And I get preoccupied. And I get busy and stressed out. And I start to act like the whole world revolves around me. It's a far cry from Ephesians 5. It's a far cry from husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Notice that the word love here is a verb. We tend to think it's a noun. We tend to speak of love as if it's a feeling, it's a thing, but it's really not. In fact, I'll hear people sometimes and they'll say, oh, we, we just fell out of love. We, we were in love. I mean, we, we were in love at one point, but, but then we just, we, we fell out of love. And I understand what people mean when they say that. But if love is a verb, that phrase doesn't make as much sense. Imagine if I found you sitting on the road next to your truck. And I said, hey, what happened? You're like, I fell out of my truck. 
I mean, I was, I was up in the truck. I was just sitting right up there, and then something changed, and then all of a sudden I, I fell out of the truck. I might say to you, well, you know, maybe you should get back up in the truck again. When people ask me or say to me, oh, we just fell out of love, one of my first statements back to them is, do you think you could fall back in love? Because you fell in love at one point, and when you fell in love, you were writing each other encouraging notes, you were going out on dates, you were spending time with each other, and then you stopped doing some of those things. And you got busy with other things in life, but if you went back to doing what you did before, do you think you could fall in love again? Because love isn't a feeling. There are feelings involved, but it's not just a feeling. Love is an action. It's a behavior. When Paul says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, he's not saying feel emotions towards your wife. He's saying, be willing to give up something. Christ gave up his life. And true love always involves a sacrifice. There's always an aspect of what am I going to give? See, we live in a world today that says, have it your way. Meet my needs, make me happy. But God comes along and says, it's not about having it your way. It's about loving another person God's way. It's about being willing to give up what you want for what that other person needs. Here's how you can improve your relationships. Let me give you three ways. The first one is this. Think about your selfie less and your spousey more. Now, this applies to all relationships, but that was just catchy, so I had to go with it. But think about your selfie less and your spousey more. We live in a selfie-centered culture. There's no doubt about that. But look at what the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2. Don't think only about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and what they are doing. In his book, Cherished, author Gary Thomas, who's a famous, well-known counselor and therapist, he writes these words, He said, probably 90% of the couples who ask for my counsel have at its root the problem that both want to play first violin. The picture that I get here is when I was in third grade and the teacher would say, line up for recess. And I don't know if this was just a Jason thing or if this was maybe just a boy thing, but when I heard those words, I was on a mission. I was going to be first in line. I wasn't going to be second. I wasn't going to be third. I was going to be first in line. And there was some bumping and there was some jostling and there was maybe even a little bit of pushing. But I was going to outwit and outplay all the other third grade boys in my class so that I could be first in line. That works when you're in third grade lining up for recess. But some of us have never stopped. We fight with our spouse about who cleans more, who takes the garbage out more often, who puts the kids to bed the most at night. We fight about things like who cleans up after dinner the most, who gets more breaks, who took more weekends away with friends, who's calmer around the kids. We're still fighting to see who is first in line. Here's what the best relationships look like. 
The best relationships are two people fighting to get to the end of the line. It's two people going, hey, you go first. No, 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 I want you to go first. I want to serve you. No, 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 let me serve you. In fact, let me ask you, what is one way that you could show that kind of mindset to another person this week? What is one way in your marriage that you could say, you know what, I want to give up what I want for what you need. I want to think less about my own interests and I want to think more about yours. It doesn't have to be something big. It can be as simple as a hug. It can be as simple as noticing something and being grateful and thankful. It can be as simple as an encouragement about something. But what is one way this week and maybe even every day that you could show interest in that other person. Same thing for roommates or friends or with your parents. What is one way that you could show an interest in them this week and not just yourself? If you did that, your relationships would improve. Here's the second way to improve relationships, and it's this. Serve before you be served. Now, let me explain this. At one point, Jesus' disciples were sitting around and they were arguing about who is the greatest, right? Who, who is going to sit at Jesus' right hand one day? And Jesus overhears this conversation and look at what he says to the disciples. He says, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I think the key word in this whole verse is even. Jesus was the son of man. If ever there was a person who could say, oh, I'm just going to sit in a recliner, sipping on a latte, you guys all serve me, it was Jesus. But even the son of man did not come to be served. He came to serve. The difference is the word be. There are some people who make it their life ambition to be served. And there are other people who are focused on serving. Which one are you? Kids, is it your parents' job to serve you? I, I'm going to tell you, my kids right now are probably going like this. But, but the right answer is to go like this. Okay, just go, no, 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 that's not true at all. It is not your mom's job to clean up your messes and fold your underwear. Husbands, do you want to be served or to serve? Is it your wife's job to serve you? You better be going like this right now. You, if the kids were like this, they might get away with that, but you better, oh, no, 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 no. It is not your wife's job to serve you, pick up your messes and fold your underwear. But the difference is the word be. You can either be served or you can serve. You can either go through life and go, you know, I want to have it my way. I want people to do what I want them to do. And the irony is that sometimes when you start to achieve a certain level of success, you get used to that. And you get used to that at work and you come home and you go, oh, yeah, I'm going to have it my way, right? You can either have that, you can have it your way, or you can have great relationships, but you can't have both. 
Part of the problem, I think, is that we've grown up watching Disney movies, and we've grown up watching romantic comedies, and so we tend to believe that there's this one person out there who's going to meet my needs and is going to make me happy. And if you're not happy right now and you're single, you think, okay, I just need to meet that person, and then I'll be happy. And if you're married and you're not happy, you think, well, maybe I married the wrong person. I need to find a different person because then I would be happy and my needs would be met. We think all of our problems are going to be solved by love's true first kiss. But then we find out after we get married that true love's first kiss has morning breath. And Prince Charming slurps his cereal so loud in the morning, it sounds like it's in surround sound. And Princess comes to bed in a nightgown, so modest, it looks like she just stepped off the set of Little House on the Prairie. And you're sitting here going, hang on, my needs aren't being met. I'm not happy with this. This isn't what I thought things were going to be like. I came across this meme this week. Therapist, your wife says you never buy her flowers. Is that true? Him? To be honest, I never knew she sold flowers. <laughs> I mean, isn't that true? Not only does he not know that she wants flowers, not only does he not know that you want flowers, he's so oblivious, he didn't even know you wanted them. Not only does he not buy them, he didn't even know you wanted them. He's preoccupied with his work. He's preoccupied with the kids and their sports or, you know, homeschooling right now. He's preoccupied with remodeling the basement bathroom and that the toilet won't shut off for some reason. Doesn't even know. If you're dating someone right now, my guess is that you will tell your friends, you'll say, every time he walks into the room, I feel butterflies. Every time she walks into the room, every time I see her on FaceTime or a Zoom call, Living in a great time to date right now, aren't we? Every time I see their face, I just, I feel these butterflies. Well, I looked it up. The life expectancy of a butterfly is 12 months. Those butterflies are going to die. Have I encouraged you? You feel depressed now? Your butterflies are going to die. Let's, let's pray. Good luck in your relationships. But here's the good news. Even though that sense of infatuation may not last, if you will stay committed to your marriage, if you will stay committed to that relationship, and you are married 12 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, you will come out on the other side with a love deeper than you've ever known. You'll be like this couple that I saw a video of that was trying to find a way to spend their time when they were quarantined at home, take a look at this.
whenever I see videos like that, and there's, there's been quite a few over the years, I, there is something in me that goes, man, I want that. I want to grow old with another person. I want to be so comfortable around someone else that you can just be yourself. And I'm guessing that all of us want that, whether you're married or single, there's something in you probably that says, you know, that I want that kind of loving, tender relationships in my life. But how do you get it? It's not just meeting the right person and then just all oh, just all work its way out. It doesn't happen that way. In fact, years ago, the University of Michigan, this was 20 years ago, they did a study and they found that the happiest wives rated their husbands more positively than they rated themselves. The happiest husbands rated their wives higher than they rated themselves. In fact, the husbands actually rated their wives higher than the wife rated herself. In other words, they saw things in their wife that she didn't even see in her. That was 20 years ago. 2,000 years ago, God speaking through Paul wrote this. He said, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Could have saved ourselves a lot of time researching. Because what research is now discovering 20 years ago, the Bible was prescribing 2,000 years ago. You can have it your way. You can be served. Or you can say, you know what? I am going to serve you. I'm going to give up what I want for what I think you need. Here's the third way that you can improve your relationships, and it's this. Let God meet your needs. I was watching a message by Pastor Kyle Eidelman, which I've drawn from for my message, and he was talking about how he went to Target on Valentine's Day to look for a card for his wife. And he said, all the cards sounded like worship songs. It was like, you are the light in my darkness. You are the air that I breathe. You are my way maker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. I mean, that, that was the tone of these cards. Now, I understand the intent. But if you are looking to another person in your life to meet your needs and to make you happy, you are setting that person up to fail. Because you are asking them to do something that only God can do. Only God can meet all of your needs. Only God can fill you with a deep sense of joy. Only God promises that he will never leave you or forsake you. And if you are expecting that from another person, you will crush them under the weight of your expectations. The best relationships are the ones where both people wake up and go, God, I need you. I need your love. I need your presence. I need your mercy and forgiveness. I need your grace. And out of what I receive from you, I am now able to give that to another person. But some of us say, you know what, I'm in a relationship right now where that's not happening. I wake up every day saying, God, fill me with your love, but my husband, he doesn't. My wife doesn't. And that's an extremely frustrating place to be. But I want to remind you today that the Bible says that God is close to the brokenhearted. 
Some of the times when I felt the closest to God was when my marriage was struggling the most and I felt brokenhearted. And God filled me with his love and he filled me with his grace and he filled me with his presence. And so you need to know today that God is close to you right now. If you feel brokenhearted, he is not far from you. He is close to you. And that's good news. Because over the years, I've gotten lots of emails and phone calls and text messages from people who say, my spouse is leaving me. They just decided they didn't want to be married anymore. And almost always, I've noticed that they have young kids. And I don't, this is a broad generalization, but in my case, what I've noticed is that almost always they have young children. And there's something in me that just goes, hold on. Hold on. Of course your marriage is hard right now. You're cleaning up messes constantly. You're doing three loads of laundry per day. You can never find a moment to just talk between the two of you. Here's what we need to understand. The stress outside of your marriage will put stress on your marriage. If you're in a situation right now where you're nervous about your job, and because of the coronavirus and because of furloughs, you're going, I, just, I don't know. That is going to put a financial stress on your life. And that stress outside of your marriage is going to begin to put some stress on your marriage. Don't be surprised when it happens. Don't think, oh, I guess we don't love each other anymore. I guess I married the wrong person. There's nothing wrong with your marriage. You're just going through a stressful season of life. My wife and I have been married for 18 years. And I found over that time that our big fights have gotten fewer and fewer. But as I was writing this message, we got in one of the biggest fights that I can remember in a couple of years. And that always seems to happen. I'll be writing a message on marriage, and then it's like getting this huge fight. And I'm lying in bed going, who are you to tell anyone how to do their marriage? But we got in this fight because both of us felt underappreciated. And maybe you feel that way right now. And both of us felt like the other one was being too critical and wasn't being encouraging enough. And then one person said something hurtful and the other one got defensive and they said something hurtful in return. And all of a sudden we were after each other like a monkey on a cupcake. I mean, <laughs> we were just tearing after each other with our words. And I laid in bed that night and I thought, you know, if we go through things like this, I'll bet other people do. And so I got up and I grabbed my journal and I began to write down how we worked out of this conflict because we were able to work out of it. And the first thing we did was just take a breath. Sometimes you get so caught up in the emotion and you always and you never and I didn't say that and you did that and you just need to take a step back and take a breath. So often with conflict, and this isn't just in marriage, this is in all conflicts, we want the other person to understand us and understand our position and where we're coming from. More important that we actually understand them. And so we took a breath and we said, hey, how are you feeling? And we listened and we said, I'm, I'm so sorry you're feeling that way. And then we finally made it to an apology. And when I heard Sarah apologize and when she heard me apologize, that was what doused the fire. 
That when you can own your part and you can say, you know what, I'm so sorry for this, what I did to you, what I said to you, all of a sudden then we could actually talk and we could work our way through this conflict. And then we had to talk. We had to say, hey, here's what I'm going to try to do in the future. Here's what I'm going to try to do to give up what I want for what you say that you need. It's not about me having it your way. It's about me understanding what you need and you understanding what I need. And that night ended with Sarah kind of rolling over and putting her head on my shoulder. And we would have fallen asleep like that. Except I got hot. <laughs> Get off me. There's a space. You know, when you've been married for 18 years, these are the kinds of things that happen. But maybe today you've forgotten that your spouse is your greatest ally. They're not your enemy. They're your greatest ally. They were a gift that God gave to you. Not for you to have it your way. Not for all of your needs to be met. Not for you to be happy because they're your source of happiness. But God gave them to you as an ally to go through life with. And a person for you to love just like Jesus has loved us. A person for you to give up what you want not always having it your way, but to give up what you want for what they need. Let me ask you, is there one way this week, as you look at all the relationships in your life, I want you to pick one relationship. Maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your parents, maybe it's a good friend or a roommate. And every day this week, I want you to think of what's one way I could show an interest in them. What's something I could give up maybe that I want that would communicate to them love and communicate to them value and importance? Because it's not about having it your way. Great relationships never happen when two people are trying to have it their way. Great relationships happen when two people come before God and they say, I want to love you God's way. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray for anyone here today who feels a little stuck right now. Maybe they're just in their house and trying to homeschool their kids and get their own work done and keep the house clean and get on another Zoom call. And they're just feeling the stress and the pressure of that right now in their home. God, I pray for our relationships. I pray for supernatural strength and ability to serve and to give up what we want and having it our way all the time. And God, we will need your power. We will need your strength. That won't happen on our own. God, we need you to do that in our lives. And if God, if there are marriages here today that are struggling, people watching this message, and now you're just in this house and you can't even get out of the house to go someplace, but you're just with each other and it's, it's bringing things out. It's bringing out marriage, anger, and frustration. God, I pray for those marriages right now. I pray for a softening. I pray for a sense of your love. I pray for fun. God, I pray that we can not just be focused on our interests, but on the interests of others. And I thank you, God, that that's what Jesus Christ did for us, that you gave up your life for us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Hey, join us next weekend as we continue in this series, Drive Through Love. It's going to be a great one. We'll see you then.